Download Adam Sank's last comedy album on Amazon, iTunes, or Google Play. We're already in the shower together. <laughs> the risk has been taken. <laughs> if I don't blow you, the risk will have been for nothing. Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. Ryan, pull down your pants. <laughs> JB, you start Let's... sucking. The host, a comedian of questionable talent, speaks incessantly on topics of a sexual and scatological nature. I will fuck you, but I will not eat you. I want that fucking dick down my throat while I'm dicking him down. Okay. I hope my mother's listening. Your ass became a rosebud? Yeah, that's because I got dicked down real good. <laughs> he asks questions of his celebrity guests that are highly inappropriate and rude. Which of you has a bigger penis? Oh, that's a good one. That's a fun good one. Going down on the clitoris? Oh, yes. Oh, I Absolutely. like where you're going with yep. this. For some reason... The word strap-on just comes right out of my mouth, Bianca. Yeah, you said come and strap-on at the same time. <laughs> and he cannot stop talking about his buttocks. I think your butt is telling you, no mas, por favor. <laughs> this is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. <laughs> and now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Yes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We are not live, of course, but this is a brand new episode. If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, June 13th in the year of the coronavirus apocalypse at dnrstudios.com, which remains the only place you can hear this podcast throughout the week that it first airs, leave us your ratings and reviews on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen. Uh, email me anything, including and especially your dick pics. At Adam at AdamSank.com. Like the Facebook page. Download the comedy albums. Donate to AIDS Walk. Here's something interesting, you guys. A virtual AIDS Walk was supposed to happen June 7th. Um, that had already been postponed from a date in May because of the whole pandemic and the shutdown. But now they've delayed it a second time. AIDS Walk is delayed indefinitely um, in light of the uh, the killing of George Floyd and the massive uh, protests and movements that are happening around the nation, um, AIDS Walk decided, you know what, this isn't really the time for us to be distracting from that issue. And I think it was really smart of them and the right thing to do. So um, in the meantime, you can still donate by going to my podcast, Adam, my podcast, my website at adamsank.com. And if you're listening to this episode after the date of July 1st, 2020, then for God's sake, do me a solid and go to podcastawards.com immediately. Nominate the Adam Sank Show in the Feast of Fools Fun LGBTQ category. You have to register, but there's no fee. They won't spam you. Please, please, please nominate us this year. Um, we have no guests today. And this is probably going to be, I'm going to guesstimate like a 40 minute long episode. That's what I'm planning on. Um, why is it, you ask? Well, <laughs> this is a very different episode than normal. First of all, today, the day I'm recording this is Wednesday, June 10th. I've never done it on a Wednesday before, um, but I was in Washington, D.C. Uh, during the weekend to participate in the very large protests that were happening down there um, in front of the White House and around Capitol Hill. And so I was not able to record the podcast on Sunday as I normally do. Um, the other strange thing about today's episode is that I am recording it flat on my back. Yes, for the first time, I am on my back. 
well, first time recording the podcast, that is. Um, I have a recurring sciatic nerve injury. It flares up like pretty much once a year. Uh, it stems from many years ago on a night in Fire Island when I had done too much cocaine and decided that I could break dance. Uh, spoiler alert, I can't. Uh, I tried break dancing at Sip and Twirl, which is a popular spot in the Fire Island Pines. And um, ever since then, my back has been fucked up. I, I'm fine most of the time. It's just when it flares up, I can't walk, I can't move. Um, and it was bad before I went to D.C., and then it got even worse down there, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But, um, yeah, so uh, I can't sit for more than a few minutes. It's uncomfortable for me. So I'm going to lay down, and I'm going to try to, when I switch positions, I'm going to keep the microphone to my face as much as possible. This is not easy, what I do for you people. It's not. Um, what else? Uh, oh, okay. So I don't have Ryan today with me live, as it were, um, because it's the middle of his work day. But he did send me a RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars update because the first episode of All-Stars aired last Friday. And um, we have to keep you abreast of all the details. Um, but first, I want to recommend uh, my viewing for the week. And this week's recommendation is kind of a surprise to me because I didn't know I would like this as much as I did. Um, and I didn't like it. I loved it. It is Hannah Gadsby's new Netflix special, Douglas. Now, if you know Hannah Gadsby at all, you probably know her from her first uh, special, her first major special, which was called Nanette. And it really was, uh, it created a lot of buzz, both positive and negative, because it, it was a very strange comedy show. It started out as a comedy show, and it wound up being more of a rant, a, a very serious rant about homophobia, about sexism, about rape. Um, you know, Hannah was crying uh, as she was talking about these things on stage, and um a lot of people thought it was the most incredibly brave thing that a comedian has ever done. And then a lot of people said, you know what, this isn't really comedy. This is a, a TED Talk or this is a, um, a speech or, or a monologue. In any case, I was kind of in the latter camp. I, I had great admiration for her for being so brave to put all this out on stage, but I was like, this isn't funny, and I'm not really enjoying it. I admired it, but I didn't enjoy it. Well, Douglas is, uh, in my opinion, 10 times the show that Nanette was. So if you loved Nanette, Douglas is going to blow your mind. I don't want to tell you too much about it, but it's really about what it's like to live uh, with autism, which Hannah Gatsby does. But it is, um, it's one of the, the most brilliantly written hours of stand-up or any medium that I've ever seen. Every word is there for a reason. It, it's, it's like a puzzle in the way that it all fits together, and you don't see it fitting together until the very end. Um, I, I really think she's incredible. And, uh, and if you start to watch it and you find yourself thinking, this isn't really that funny, just wait. It builds, and it surprises, and then it builds some more, and it surprises you again. And by the last five minutes, I'm telling you, I was gasping because I was laughing so hard. Um, she also very cleverly addresses all of her critics uh, who, who spoke out against Nanette. 
and all of the hate mail that she gets and all of the shitty things that people say about her on social media. She really responds in such a smart and funny way. So um, once again, Hannah Gadsby's Douglas on Netflix. If you haven't watched it yet, I beg you. I think you're going to really, really love it. Okay, I'm changing positions now. <laughs> Bear with me. All right, so I want to talk about my trip to Washington, my first trip anywhere since this pandemic started. Um, a f- good friend of mine uh, from the Gay Men's Chorus told me that he and his uh, fiance were heading down to D.C. to take part in these massive protests that had been planned for Saturday. They were calling it like hashtag um, one million D.C. Saturday, I think was the hashtag. And I have a, a good friend named Eric who I've been hanging out with for most of the pandemic. He lives next door to me. So we've kind of been each other's coronavirus buddy. We're both single. So it, it just kind of worked out. And um, he's become actually a really close friend of me during this time. And I knew that he had been really wanting to participate in the protests, as had I. So I asked him if he wanted to go. And he said, absolutely. And we made a lot of signs. And by that, I mean, Eric made a lot of signs because I have no artistic ability, but he made beautiful signs and we drove down to D.C. And um, it was really it was really pretty incredible. Um, We stood in the exact spot where Trump had stood holding that Bible, that upside down Bible um, for which he tear gassed uh, dozens of peaceful protesters in order to get a photo up of him standing in front of a church that he doesn't attend and has never been inside of. And it was just crazy to see that. And, you know, I, I posed for a picture there holding the black lives matter sign. Um, and we, you know, just to walk around the streets around the white house in Capitol Hill and see people from every walk of life. And we were all united for this common cause to, to, to say like enough, enough, black and brown people being killed by police, enough racism, enough inequality. And to see Washington right now, I mean, so many of these federal buildings have graffiti all over them that say um, Black Lives Lives Matter and George Floyd and the names of other people of color who've been murdered by police. And um, you just get this sense that people, that this is a real turning point. People can, will not tolerate this anymore. And that finally, it's not just black and brown people standing up and saying this is enough. It's it's all of us. It's a, a, a general consensus among Americans that we cannot live this way anymore, that we cannot permit a, a, an entire group of people to be subjugated and oppressed simply because of the color of their skin. Um, unfortunately, I was not able to participate in more than a couple hours of protesting because my back was so fucked up and I just had to go back to the hotel and lie down. I felt shitty about that, but my friends, um, continued well into the night. They didn't come back to the hotel until 11 o'clock at night. And they, they said it was really very, very powerful because the later it got, the more people joined. And I don't know if it was a million people, but it was a fuckload of people. And they continue. Those protests continue every day in every city, big and small. My hometown, my little white bread hometown of Summit, New Jersey, which has always been a Republican town, they had a Black Lives Matter march um, a couple days ago. So, um, you know, it's terrible and shameful that it took this long 
to get all of us off of our asses and into the streets. But thank God it's happening. Laws are being changed as we speak. Um, and I think there's I think America is finally starting to wake up from this 400 year nightmare of of racism and of racial murder, racist murder. So that's kind of what I wanted to say about that. I also I just want to say. As a white person right now, it's it. I'm not always sure what I should be saying and doing. You know, it's like I want so badly to be an ally. I just want to be an ally. I want to listen. I want to support. I want to help in any way that I can. At the same time, I'm conscious of like, this is not my movement. This is the movement of people of color. This is their movement. They need to lead it. They need to to direct it. They need to make to decide what's best. And I don't want, I never want to feel like anything I'm doing is performative. I never want anyone to be like, oh, Adam Sank, look at him. He thinks he's, you know, he, he's such an activist now. And, oh, he's posted a picture of him in front of that church. And, you know, I don't. So it's tricky because I, I want to let people know that I'm doing this so that other people do it. But I don't want, I don't want it to ever be about me. And, and I don't think, I think my the white friends that I've talked to, we all feel this. It's like, this isn't about us. No one, it doesn't really matter what we think or say right now. We just have to join in and be a part of it and stand with people of color. Um, it's just a, it's a, it's a very interesting time. And then of course there's the whole coronavirus thing. I mean, we were very conscious of the fact that we were heading out of our city into a new city. We were going to be shoulder to shoulder with, uh, you know, tens of thousands of people in the streets. I will say that every single person I saw, including myself and my friends, we were all in masks, all of us. And that was really impressive. Now, masks aren't foolproof, and I understand that there's a risk, and there's, they're already seeing that some people who have been involved in protests are getting sick, and that's awful. I don't want this disease, this virus, to spread any further. But at the same time, you know, Racism is a virus and racism is killing people and has been killing people for hundreds of years in this country. Um, so you have to kind of take a stand and say, yeah, th there is a risk to this, but there's a bigger risk in not doing this in, in just letting the status quo remain, particularly in an election year, because if Donald Trump gets reelected, all of this is for nothing. In my opinion, nothing changes. We have to have new leadership. We have to throw all of the Republicans out of Congress, out of the White House. Um, it, it's it's there's there's no hope of progress, and there's just going to be more repression and more violence if they stay in. So that's what I'm going to say about that. And I know that may be sort of a downer way to start the, this episode, but uh, it's important. There's important shit happening right now, and I can't just. Can't, it can't all be about dicks and asses, all right? Meanwhile, uh, many celebrities are getting canceled this week due to their r racist words and actions, either of the past or present. Those of you who have been listening to this show for a while can remember when we would do the Perv NATO update every week. Um, you know, this was during the Me Too the height of the Me Too movement, when it seemed like every single man 
in Hollywood, you know, theater, uh, government, anything you can think of was being accused of sexual harassment. And we would do a roundup every week that would take about 10 minutes to get through all the names. Well, this is now the uh, racist NATO. (laughs) Got to think of a better name than that. And um, I can't give you a complete list of everyone who's been canceled this week, but here are some of my favorites. Four cast members from Vanderpump Rules have been fired. And they, two of them are brand new and they don't really, who cares? But two of them are longtime members of the show. Um, let me just say this. Vanderpump Rules is one of the few reality shows that I watch regularly. Uh, I just love it. I love how completely awful everyone is and I like to kind of watch it and, and decide who's the most awful and who's the least awful. They're all shit people. They're garbage people. Um, I, I think Tom Sandoval and Tom Schwartz and Ariana are like the least shitty, but they're all pretty horrible. Anyway, here's who was fired. Stasi Schroeder, who's basically the star of the show. Kristen Dute or Dute. And then Max Boyens and Brett Capriani, those two were brand new this past season. They will not be returning for any future seasons. Bravo has announced citing inexcusable racist comments and behavior that have come to light. Uh, I don't know how far, how deeply we want to get into this, but when it comes to Stasi and Kristen, it was all about this former cast member named Faith Stowers or Stowers. Faith basically is the only African-American cast member that they've ever had, full-time cast member. Um, and she's been off the show for for years. I don't know how Bravo gets away with doing so many reality shows where the entire cast is white, where there isn't one person of color. I guess Tom Sandoval technically counts as a person of color, but it's a very white-ass show. So anyway, Faith was on this on the show... And she has come forward and say to say that Stasi and Kristen lied to police, telling them that Faith fit the description of another woman who was robbing men in L.A. back in 2018. Um, and the two of them admitted they did this. Luckily for Faith, you know, the police never went after her. She was never arrested or prosecuted. But we now know uh, full well that when white people try to weaponize police against African-Americans, the results can very often be deadly. Um, so Stasi, after Faith came forward with this story, Stasi and Kristen, um, are, you know, they've been making multiple apologies, but, you know, who gives a fuck? They're, not only are they fired, but they've lost a lot of their outside business deals and endorsements, and both their publicists have quit as well. They've been series regulars uh, ever since the first season in 2013. So goodbye, Stasi. Goodbye, Kristen. Good riddance. Farewell. And go fuck yourself. Where's my bell? Okay. Now as for the boys. So Max was this new cast member who's like a manager at one of the two restaurants, either Sir or Tom Tom. Um, he, they dug up his racist tweets from... 2012, I won't read all of them to you. They're they're hideous. One of them is something about Asians that just makes me want to punch them in the suck hole. Suck hole. I guess that means mouth. Why would anyone tweet such a thing? 
even if you had that thought, like why, what's, what's the point of that tweet other than to just be a hateful cunt? So Max is fired and then Brett, who I have to say is extremely hot, but seems to be as dumb as a brick. Um, his tweets from around the same time, 2011, 2012, he had a lot of sexist tweets, um, you know, sort of critiquing women's bodies and ridiculing women who weren't perfect. But the main thing with Brett is that he apparently loves the N-word, the form of the N-word that ends with ga, which I won't even say anymore. Um, Tweet after tweet after tweet, like, he's my blank, and what do you got to say about that blank? And over and over and over again, it's just not a word that you can use when you're white. So they are both fired. Meanwhile, Harley Sawyer from The Flash. Now, I've never watched The Flash, but I know a lot of people love it. Um, He's been fired after tweets were unearthed um, that were just very disturbing. In one of them, he wrote, The only thing keeping me from doing mildly racist tweets is the knowledge that Al Sharpton would never stop complaining about me. That was from 2012. In 2014, he tweeted, Enjoyed a secret boob viewing at an audition today. Meaning, like, someone's boob slipped out and he, like, saw it and enjoyed it. Which, you know, that, that in and of itself is not a fireable offense, but it's creepy. Two other tweets from 2012 read, As a lad, one of my favorite activities was kidnapping homeless women and cutting off their breasts. Now, I assume that that's not a serious tweet, but again, like, that's how fucked up is that? Like, why? Why would you think that someone would find that funny? He also wrote, date rape myself so I don't have to masturbate. I don't know what that means, but basically he's a creepy, disturbing person. And um, so he's been fired. Um... He played Ralph Dibney on the series for three seasons. He, when all of these tweets started circulating back on May 30th, he posted something to his Instagram account saying, I'm not here to make excuses. Regardless of the intention, my words matter and they carry profound consequences. And mine can and have caused pain and embarrassment along with feelings I can only imagine. To supporters and fans, my castmates, the crew, my colleagues and friends, I owe them all an apology. Thank you for holding me accountable. His entire Twitter account has been deleted. Meanwhile, Billy Santoro, a gay porn star, had his Just for Fans account deleted after he tweeted that black protesters should be shot. Santoro's white, by the way. He's a former bartender and general manager of DC's EFN Lounge slash Motley Bar, uh, where he worked under his real name, Bill Gray. He's now based in Australia. Um, as protesters took to the streets last week, he wrote, L-O, this is uh, on some one of his social media accounts, he wrote, LOL America, LOL, you let your blacks loot as a way of protest. Wake the fuck up. Shoot first. <sighs> After receiving negative feedback and large-scale backlash, Santoro claimed that one of his friends had been killed during the looting in Philadelphia. That's such bullshit. I lashed out full of emotional stress, he wrote. Those who know me know I am not racist. I am hurt by the loss of my friend. Yeah, that's 
that, that's nonsense. First of all, that's a lie. You didn't lose. No one was killed in the looting in Philadelphia. But even if they were, even if that's true, that doesn't give you permission to 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 shoot to, to tweet out something that's that's racist and and deadly and advocates murder. He later deleted his entire Twitter account, although several users continued to post screenshots of other comments he made that were either racist or offensive to other groups. For instance, in one screen grab, he had wrote he had written, quote, blacks will just breed more hatred towards them. That was in response to another user's tweet about the destruction of property during the uh, post. He also reportedly said, just putting this out there, I have never been gay bashed, called a faggot, etc. from a white redneck Trump supporter, but I have been by African-American men who live in Shaw in D.C. Hashtag just saying. He also wrote, you are a fool if you think black trans women aren't being murdered by their own community or are truly blind. He just went on and on and on. Um, just for fans, uh, condemned his words, removed him from the platform. They tweeted, his account is gone. It was vile. Black Lives Matter. Um, his OnlyFans page has also been taken down. Uh, meanwhile, his husband, Gage Santoro, who's from South Africa, uh, also deleted his Twitter account. But before going dark, he claimed he had broken up with Billy over his racist views. He later tweeted, Racist views is why I ended my relationship today. I stand for all black lives. Please don't attack me. I'm trying to fix this. Love, Gage. A few hours later, he claimed that Billy had tried to commit suicide, sharing pictures of Billy in a hospital exam room with what looked like an IV. Quote, Last night, the man I love so dearly, I thought you'd left him. The man I love so dearly attempted suicide based on the hate he has received. I please ask you to stop. Stop what you are doing. He has apologized on every platform, yet the attack continues. Stay safe and love each other. Send love, please. Hashtag pray for Billy. But other users noticed that some things about the photo were very strange. One of them pointed out that the IV wasn't set up the right way. Another claimed there was no hospital bracelet. He was wearing all his clothes which is something, you know, if somebody was suicidal, they would they remove your clothes. They don't let you keep your belt on and your socks and your shoes. Um, also, they noted that his shirt was pulled up to expose his midriff, like he was posing. It, the whole suicide thing was very suspect. Listen, if the guy really tried to kill himself, you know, that's not something I wish on anyone. But you, you can't ask people not to send hate when you're sending out so much hate. And things, words that are so damaging and so hurtful at a time when people's sensitivities are like at 11, you know, everyone is on edge right now. Everyone is so filled with sadness and grief and rage. And, and this is the shit that you're tweeting out. Like you're just a garbage person and maybe you can get better. Maybe you can improve yourself and you can learn something. I don't, I don't know. I don't know that there's any help for someone like that. Meanwhile, remember the meth gala that we talked about a couple weeks ago? The meth gala was that out-of-control party that happened during the height of the coronavirus crisis here in New York City. And the DJ from it, that guy, DJ Alec Bryan, <clears throat> we played a little soundbite from him, I think it was two weeks ago. 
you know, he keeps trying to apologize and explain away. And meanwhile, he seems totally fucked up and drugged out of his mind. So here's what he here's what he posted during the, you know, the first week that all the George Floyd protests were going on. I'm going to read this whole thing to you because it's pretty amazing. So I get hired to DJ a cute house party of 20 to 30 people during a pandemic in the hopes to just have one fun night in lieu of all the social distancing and COVID. Also to bring back a glimmer of hope that COVID will be over soon and we can all really be back together again. And somehow I've put thousands of lives at risk and even become a meth head clown. How fun. But now, somehow, half the country can riot on the streets, destroying cars, homes, attacking the police in groups of hundreds because they think this is a form of protesting to get justice, although the police officer was charged with murder and is in jail, so not sure why we are still rioting since it was never a protest. Just a herd of sheep, and if one baaz, they all baa. People cannot think independently of the social majority and so just herd with the rest of the sheep out there. Also, Google deductive reasoning. That could be helpful for a lot of you, a bunch of silly hypocrites. Is this guy out of his fucking mind? He immediately took that down once the backlash started pouring in, but multiple people, including Bob the Drag Queen and a lot of other prominent drag performers, screenshotted it and started sharing it all over the internet. Uh, I don't think this guy will ever work again, and I don't know why he doesn't just shut the fuck up. This was my advice from the very beginning of the whole Meth Gala uh, scandal. I just said, just go, just go away. Just disappear. For like six months. And then you can come back. Now he can never come back. Now he has shown himself to be the the villain that he is. And by the way, his saying that he's been wrongly accused of being a meth head. Dude, you're the biggest meth dealer in New York City. Everyone knows it. Everyone. You are a fucking meth head. So, you know, you're the one who keeps bringing up meth and it's not helping you. So this is today's... Uh, racial roundup, racist roundup, maybe that's what we'll call it. Um, we also need to talk about Leah Michelle, but I'm going to wait until next week's episode when Ryan is on the phone with me because the tea about Leah Michelle is scalding hot and delicious. In related news, Grinder and Scruff have finally ditched their ethnicity filter. I didn't even know about this. You know, I haven't been on the apps Prior to the pandemic, I wasn't on the apps for years. Um, I re-downloaded or uploaded Scruff once this started just because I knew I was going to be lonely and bored and wanted to have virtual sex with other gay men. Um, but I didn't know that you could you could basically filter out <clears throat> people of color or p- white people or people of any race or ethnicity that you don't want to engage with. Um, but, you know, in the midst of this movement, like most companies with any sense, Grindr and Scruff realized how destructive that is. So, and by the way, this includes Jacked, which I've never heard of, but apparently that's a very popular uh, app for sex as well. Both uh, Grindr, Scruff, and Jacked all announced they would finally be disabling the user option to filter search results by ethnicity, 
It started with Grindr. They put out a statement that said, we stand in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement and the hundreds of thousands of queer people of color who log into our app every day. Uh, this, they tweeted that out on June 1st. We will not be silent. We will not be inactive. Today we're making donations to the Marsha P. Johnson Institute and Black Lives Matter and urge you to do the same. Uh, the next day, Jacked uh, put out a statement and they did the same thing. And then shortly after that, Scruff said, we stand in solidarity with the fight against systemic racism and historic oppression of the black community. Black Lives Matter. Below are some of the actions we will be taking. Meanwhile, uh, the, the Internet was skeptical. One person tweeted, you have a zero tolerance for racism on your platform. That's amazing to learn, considering that you have a race filter and let people post. <clears throat> I'm here for, <clears throat> this is a quote, I'm here for vanilla and spice, not chocolate or rice on their profiles. Someone else tweeted, amazing. Please, can we report profiles with no blacks, no trans, no Asians in their profiles? And can you deal with them quickly? And can you deal with them as quickly as you do sex workers? Um, gay dating apps have a long and ugly history of allowing racism to run wild on their platforms. JB has talked about this a lot. He's talked about how, what a miserable experience it is for him sometimes to be on these apps and, and the hate that's directed toward him uh, simply for being black. And just before I went on the air today to record this, um, a listener who's African-American, sent me a screenshot that he had just received on one of these apps. It was one line, and all it says is, what the fuck, you in my neighborhood, N-word. And he wrote to me, I usually get something along these lines a couple times a year. It's just so fucking ugly. The article that I was uh, reading from said, these apps will likely continue to ignore the various other problems that run amok on their platforms, namely the xenophobia, fatphobia, femphobia, and transphobia that have been hallmarks of their user experience for years and will, it seems, continue to go unchecked. And that's true. Listen, I've said it before. The apps are not a, they're not a nice place to be. They're very often people on their worst behavior. People online in general behave badly because they're not face-to-face and it's very easy to say something ugly and offensive to a stranger, something that you might not ever say to their face. But this is a step. This is a step in the right direction. And I do applaud Grinder and Scruff and Jack for doing it. I wish they had done it, you know, a decade ago. It should have never been an option to begin. It's just, when you think about sorting users by race it just evokes for me like jim crow like the jim crow south where you had separate drinking fountains and separate pools and separate bathrooms for people of color it's so sick and in 2020 it just has no place um okay let us switch to a far more lighter topic which is rupaul's drag race all stars season whatever it is i think it's season five and uh i watched it i loved it ryan watched it and hopefully this will work. Here's what he had to say about it. Shantae, you stay. Welcome back to another season of RuPaul's Drag Race. I am very excited that we are moving right along to All-Stars 5. I have been sitting on this secret for, I guess, a year at this point. I mean, we have known this cast um, 
as the cast for All Stars 5 for a while. So to finally be here, it's great. Um, the first episode was very exciting. Um, this is uh, going to be a different season of All Stars than what we've seen uh, the past couple of seasons. There's a new twist. I'm going to do my best to explain it, to break it down. So in the past, each week, there were two winners for each challenge. And the two winners would lip sync for their legacy, and the winner would win 10,000. Fuck. Fuck. Okay, my phone just <laughs> went dark in the middle of his thing. How do I do this? What? Oh, shit. Uh, going to be a different right, sorry, season of All Stars than what we've seen uh, the past couple of seasons. There's a new. Tw- I'm going to do my best to explain it, to break it down. So in the past, each week, there were two winners for each challenge. And the two winners would lip sync for their legacy. And the winner would win $10,000, a $10,000 tip, and the ability to send one of the bottom queens home. This season, they're doing it a little bit differently. There will be one winner per episode they will have the opportunity to win $10,000 and send home a queen. But they first have to lip-sync against a lip-sync assassin, um, who each episode will be a mystery until the end. Um, The rest of the queens who are safe also need to vote and decide on who they think should be sent home that week, and they all vote before the lip-sync. After the lip-sync, If the queen who won the challenge, the all-star, wins, she will get to eliminate the queen that she wants to see go home and accept a $10,000 tip. If the lip-sync assassin wins, then the queen that the safe queens decided to send home, or who the majority of queens decided to send home, will be eliminated and the $10,000 will be rolled over to the next week. So next week, the all-star who is lip-syncing, if she wins, she'll win a $20,000 tip. And just to put things into perspective, the first season of Drag Race, Bibi Zahara Benet's prize package, was $20,000. So Ah. in this new world, (laughs) in this new land uh, of RuPaul's Drag Race 2020, It is possible in one episode to win the amount of an entire season. Uh, And I just think that's very great. Um, I'm very excited to continue recapping this season. Um, My standouts from the first episode were definitely Shea Coulee. Um, Her entrance look was sickening. Um, I love India Farah. I loved uh, Ms. Cracker. I loved Alexis Mateo. Um, Mariah Paris Balenciaga was... uh, um, her performance was poignant, uh, especially right now. And um, the ones I thought were kind of booger boots were Derek Barry and Mayhem. And honestly, I think Mayhem should have gone home. More on that next time. Bye-bye. Yes, thank you, Ryan Frosting. I'm sorry for the technical difficulties, you guys. I'm, I'm doing my best here with very limited resources and a bad back. Okay, finally... We're going to end this rather somber episode, except for Ryan's uh, RuPaul update. It's been kind of serious and sad and not that fun, but uh, all important stuff. Uh, but I'm going to end it on a light note with this headline. And I, 
<laughs> it's sad that this is the light note because it's not even that light. But here's the headline. Porn star charged with manslaughter after another man dies during mystic ritual inhaling psychedelic toad venom. I'm going to say that again. Porn star charged with manslaughter after another man dies during mystic ritual inhaling psych psychedelic toad venom. There's a lot to unpack here. By the way, we should mention this is a straight porn star, as far as I can tell. His name is Nacho Vidal. <laughs> I keep thinking of Nacho Cheese. Nacho Vidal was charged by Spanish authorities uh, following the man's death. Vidal is a 46-year-old known for f flogging scented candles shaped like his penis online. I think they mean like hawking, like selling. Um, he was detained in the southwestern Valencia region in connection with the death of a fashion photographer named Jose Luis Abad. The death happened in July of 2019, but the charges were just brought. Uh, a police statement said the police operation began following the victim's death during the celebration of a mystic ritual based on the inhalation of venom of the bufo alvarius toad. Um, I guess this Nacho Vidal was also a shaman, and he led this toad venom inhaling ceremony. The toad, commonly called the Colorado River toad, is native to the dusty, arid patches of the Sonoran Desert, which stretch from northern Mexico into California and Arizona. I'm not sure how they got the toad over to Spain, but um, experts in toad medicine ceremonies, which I guess are a thing, describe ingesting the toad secretion uh, as inducing powerful kaleidoscopic hallucinations. I'm thinking it's kind of like ayahuasca, maybe? These are Kabbalist ceremonies, um, and they may include inhaling the venom's fumes from a pipe uh, while chanting the sacred traditional chants of the Seri people. That's S-E-R-I people. Law enforcement led an arrest of Vidal after an 11-month inquiry. They also arrested a relative of Vidal's as well as an employee involved in the ritual on suspicion of manslaughter. Um, the other people arrested were a man and a woman aged 37 and 50, respectively. Vidal's uh, first of all, you should know that Vidal has starred in more than 600 movies. Did he really star in all of them? Maybe he was a supporting actor in some of them, but 600 pornos. So he's very um, uh, prolific. And if you Google image his porn, you'll see that he is, he's a very beautiful curved penis. It curves up like a ripe banana. Anyway... Um, his lawyer says Nacho is very upset by the death of this person, but he considers himself to be innocent. With all due respect to the dead man and his family, Nacho maintains that the consumption of the venom was completely voluntary. So the takeaway from all this is um, if someone offers you toad venom, uh, just say no. That's, that's, if you've learned anything from today's episode of The Ass, um, you now know that toad venom is not good for you and can kill you. Uh, that's it for our show. I want to thank Ryan for phoning in his RuPaul's Drag Race update. I want to thank JB for putting together this show every week. Next week, we'll be back with a brand new episode starring my good friend, comedian Tarek Daniels. Uh, you guys, I, I have made a commitment to keep doing one of these a week as long as this pandemic ends. And, and when it does end, I'm going to take a fucking month off. 
All right, you guys, be well. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to download my comedy album. Follow me, me, on Twitter and Instagram, at Adam Sank. Email me at adam at adamsank.com. I love you all. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Black Lives Matter. Have a great week, bitches.